I feel uptight. I feel all this intense pressure squeezing in on me. I feel like I'm trapped and don't know where to go. I have no direction. What exactly is God's will for me? Why can't I find it? Why is this so hard? Why is God's will like this magical dangling carrot that I can never seem to catch? We often make it harder than it is. Maybe it's because we confuse God's will with my will. We get impatient. We try to pigeonhole the omnipotent creator of the universe to fix us, heal us, help us, and bless us by begging him, or raising our voice to him, or bargaining with him, everything but saying, your will be done, not mine. See, we've confused our role in this epic story that's unfolding in front of us. It's not about me, it's about him. I'm not the star of this movie, he is. I've just got a small cameo in this beautiful love story about truth and redemption. That takes the burden off of me. I can focus on making Jesus famous and living a life that points the spotlight to him. I feel better now. I can breathe again. opportunities in our lives and through his power bring a bigger harvest for him. But before we dig into God's will, I think it's important that we define two terms, discovery and discernment. Discovery means hoping that you stumble into his will. Discovery means hoping that you stumble into his will. And discernment means following the steps to identify his will. When I think of discovery, I think of like a metal detector, all right? You go out to an old barn, an old shed, an old house or something, and you're looking for Civil War musket balls, you're looking for belt buckles, all the cool stuff, but in all reality, it's going to start dinging, you're going to get a nail or something, you know? And so that one's not the most reliable, but discernment, I think of a map, all right? I think of like Blackbeard with a map, there's all these steps he's got to go through to get to the big red X on the map. And discerning God's will will bring us to the real treasure. And that real treasure is God's will. Amen. Do you ever daydream if you want a million bucks, what you would buy, where you would go? I mean, I think I'd buy about 50 guitars, Gibson Les Pauls, and it'd be awesome. That's right. But we have access to God. His heart, we have access to His resources, His angels, and His authority over the devil. If we really believe we had access to all of God's kingdom, we'd have endless possibilities. That's right. So how will you do God's will today, this week, or even this month? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open to Colossians chapter 1. This is the Apostle Paul's prayer to the Colossian church. In Paul's prayer for them, he lays out a map on how we can find, follow, and fulfill God's will. So verses 9-12 through 12 says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. 
being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. Nine. It tells us that there is such a map that we can find His will. But just because there's a map, it doesn't mean that we understand God's will. And I don't like that argument that people give, you know, if you know it, you've got to understand it. Because if I could understand God's will, Rich Fogerson, I'm pretty dumb. You know, what type of God would that make him? Right. And God's will for everybody is to be saved. 2 Timothy 2, verses 3-4 says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. God's will, all people to be saved. And we know it doesn't always turn out that way. And this doesn't mean that we're stronger than God by any means, but it does mean that we can hinder and ultimately stop the will of God. God desires all to be saved, but He doesn't force, because we have free will. We are blessed with free will. Our sinful nature stops us from staying true to Christ and blinds us from His will. People can say no to God. It's not in their best interest, but it happens. Just as people choose to deny Jesus and His cross, we, tr- we choose to deny God's will and access to our lives. So let's look at four possibilities that God's will opens for us. God's will opens up the possibility of being Spirit-filled. Ephesians 5 17 through 18 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This passage is telling us that what He desires for us, His will is that we are not controlled by our own human desires, our own sinful desires, our flesh, but be filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will give us insight to His will. God's will, it always pleases God. Here's how. You know, God, He made it. He made His will. He wouldn't make it if it was bad, because everything He touches, everything He makes is awesome. It's perfect. God's will also gives us the possibility of being sanctified. He wants us and desires us to be like Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. It doesn't get any more black and white than that. God wants to transform us. He wants us to live like Jesus, our Son and our Savior. Alright, let's say you're in your car. You're driving around and everything. Gas is, you're out, you know. The gauge is on E. So what do you do? You go across the bridge, go get some gas. That's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, you you put the gas in, it clicks, you get in, you turn your turn your key. Your gas gauge still says E. You would expect it to say full because you have a receipt to prove it. How do you think God feels when He gave His Son and it doesn't show? Just like on the gauge. You invited Him into your heart, but there's no evidence of Him being there. If you invited Jesus Christ into your life, does it show? Was your life transformed by His Son? 
Where's the needle on your spiritual gauge of your heart? If Jesus is there, it should always say, fool. Part of being sanctified is living like Jesus. And that means more than just hearing somebody say it 10,000 times on Sunday morning. But that means putting in hard work. We have to be completely submissive to Him. We have to be different from the world. Because that is what we are called to be. The world needs to see who we are and who we represent. God's will also gives us the possibility of being able to stand. 1 Peter 2.15 says, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. If God's will is that we, God's will is that we should do right in, our, in um, adversities of our own lives, in our own obstacles. That can be from worldly attacks, cultural attacks, it doesn't matter. But by being... By being by having God on our side, we have to stand for the things that God stands for. That's right. And we have to stand against the things that He stands against. That's right. And all you've got to do is open up your phone, go to the Drudge Report, or turn on the news, and you can see where the world lies, stands with stuff. And what comes to my mind is, recently there's a transgender woman competing in an all-female swim. I don't really know. That ain't right. <laughs> and if you agree with the stuff that the world's saying, you've got to take a step back. That's right, man. You've got to realize that God has asked us, He has called us to stand. That's right. We always have to put agendas, we always got to put political movements in the eyes of the cross and in the eyes of the Holy Scriptures. That's right. I think oftentimes we forget that it's more than just left and right. It's more than just red and blue. But there was a political party established 2,000 years ago on a cross. Yeah. Do not leave Him out of our decisions or our thoughts. Take a stand. That looks like agreeing with what the Holy Scripture says in every part of our lives. No matter how blunt or politically incorrect it is, Jesus wasn't politically correct. Stand with Him and His promises. We signed our rights away when we said yes to Him. Wow, that's right, buddy. It's not red or blue. It's not left or right. We are under the blood of Christ. That's right, man. Hallelujah. Take a stand for Him. God's will also gives us the possibility of suffering. 1 Peter 4.19 says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their Father Creator, to their faithful Creator, and continue to do good. When we face opposition or persecution for the right thing, we are in the will of God. Now, if you're being persecuted for lying, gossiping, talking bad, whatever, racism, you're not in the will of God. And that's not what I'm talking about. That's right, man. Suffering was also... Meant that there's times when we're up against the wall. There's times when we feel far from God. We feel hopeless. James 1 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's God's plan for us to have tough times. Because that's, right. that's when we often tend to lean on Him the most. Come on now. He told us in Scripture that they hated Him first. If you're not experiencing some type of spiritual persecution or some type of 
hardship. But you got to ask yourself, what am I doing wrong? Are you doing something wrong? Because they hated him first. Now, we're not supposed to go out of our way trying to offend anybody, trying to make anybody mad, because we're called to love people. We're also called to live like Jesus. So I've given you these steps so far. It's kind of confusing, but I want you to think of it as Karate Kid, all right? Not the Jaden Smith version, because we sh- never think of that one if you can. That's right. But in the original, you got Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid, Daniel, all right? And Mr. Miyagi, he has Karate Kid waxing, waxing his car, painting his house, sanding the wood floor. And this kid, he had enough of it. He's like, hey, I want to learn how to do karate. And so he goes to him, and then Mr. Miyagi, he starts throwing him left hooks, right hooks, starts kicking at him and everything. And he starts blocking it, all right? Now, these steps are not going to teach you spiritual karate, I don't think. But it will open up the possibility of God's will. The Holy Spirit is in our spirit, and if we follow His blueprint the Holy Spirit will begin revealing to us His will. So we've looked at the possibility of God's will and what it opens up for us. Now let's look at the purpose of fulfilling, of following God's will. Why should we do it? So Colossians 1.10 says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and, per- and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. His will, it pleases Him. Following His will isn't for us. We must long to please Christ. If you're looking for the will of God to see how you can have a successful job or how you can run into a large sum of money, you're doing it all wrong. Because our end goal needs to please Him. That is our sole purpose in life is to please our Heavenly Father. We must long to satisfy God to eventually fill our own satisfaction with Him. God's will always pleases Him. We have to take the leap of faith and say, God, I want to know Your perfect will. I want to exchange my so-called perfect will for the actual perfect will. The purpose of following God's will is to live to please Him. This category kind of falls into decisions, I think. Making, not making decisions on our own desires, our own sinfulness, but making decisions through the eyes of God. So I've given you the possibilities that open God's will, why it's important we do God's will. But now we must look at some practical steps in making the possibility of God's will a reality for all of us. Colossians 1, verses 10 through 11 says, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, that you may have great endurance and patience. Fulfilling God's will looks like doing good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. John 15.8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God's desire for us, His disciples, is to bear much fruit. The world will know that we are Christians by our love. Galatians 5.22-23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. All of these fruits, they are born inside of us. That is good news. When Paul said back in verse 10 of Colossians, he was saying that living a life worthy of God starts by doing good works. We do things to be nice all the time, you know, whether it's saying good morning or good evening to somebody at Walmart. But Jesus, He did this during His time on earth. He did good works. He was nice to everyone. He hung out with the people that His people weren't supposed to be hanging out with. He drunk. He, he ate with the uh, drunks. He ate with the prostitutes. That needs to be the people that we minister to because we all need Jesus. We need to follow in His footsteps and tell people the grace of God. And this is how we produce good works. God's will also looks like going deeper. We must devote our lives to God and learning and drawing near to God. What does that look like? That looks like reading Scripture. That looks like praying. That looks like meditating on the Scripture. That looks like doing all of these things. It looks like spending time in prayer. Jeremiah 9, 23-24 says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But the one who boasts, boasts about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. To go deep means to deepen our understanding of God. theological facts that you could find in a MacArthur commentary, but I'm talking about an intimate relationship with our King Jesus. Church, we are the bride of Christ. Bride and groom, they're intimate with one another. We are called to have an intimate and pure relationship with our Father. That means more than just two hours a week. Two hours a month for some of us. God should be somebody that we have a more meaningful relationship than just on Saturday and Sunday. He has called us to have a relationship with Him Saturday through Sunday, all days of the week. If we knew how much He loved us, loves us, if we knew how much He cares for us, we would have a deeper intimacy and connection with Him. If you're only spending time with God on Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday, that relationship is not for Him. It's for you. Come on, man. We can't be lukewarm for Christ. It's good for nothing. You can't cook with it. You surely can't drink it. Revelation 3.16 says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Live in God's Word. We are called to learn God's Word and grow understanding of it. God's will for us is to go deep, but we're also called to grow strong. No pain, no gain. When we are down in the deepest, darkest holes of our lives, that's when most people seek God. That's when we draw near to Him. When I feel like God's nowhere around me, I, I feel like that's when He fuels me up. That's when He gets me going again. That's when I can draw near to the comfort of our comforter, Jesus. God's power will carry us through our problems. Since we have the Spirit in us, we have the power and strength through Him. 
When you're weak, when you're hopeless, when you feel desperate, praise God, that's usually when He's just getting started. Through His strength, we are made strong. When we make Him our chief cornerstone, we are strong. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9-11 through 11 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Doing God's will requires hard work. But the hard work is also rewarded. And that hard work, it might be praying go. Helping out at the Holy Week service. It might be reading your scripture, praying, whatever you struggle with. Whatever is hard, because a lot of it is hard, church. But God's saying, if you do your job, if you fulfill my will, it'll all be worth it, but in His timing. The only, thing, the only way we can do any of these things is with His strength, with His help. We're going to mess up. There'll be times that we gossip, steal, lie, whatever. But through His strength, we can do better. God has called us for good works, to go deep and to grow strong. But He's also called us to give thanks. Part of God's will for our life is living in gratitude. The stuff that we do for Him shouldn't be out of force or feeling obligated to do so. But it should be done out of gratitude. And we're also called to thank God for qualifying us to serve Him. Him. And his standards aren't too high for that. You know, you look at Paul, you look at David, these guys, they did some jacked up stuff. And then I look at myself, I look at my dad, Don Barry, Chris Mathis, Miss Schaefer. There's nothing too special about us, you know. But God has blessed us in letting us be able to serve Him. Since he's done that, we need to give thanks for allowing us to be a small part of his kingdom. Because through this, God, he doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. Come on. Good. As you look at the process, you can see that we're called for good works, to go deep, to grow strong, and to give thanks. But the give thanks part, it often goes overlooked in my own life. We can only become thankful when we practice gratitude. Sometimes instead of being grateful for something, I become a critic. What does that look like? That looks like many things. You know, God could do something awesome. And I'd be like, you know what? That's pretty, that's pretty cool. But if you would have done it my way, in my, that would have been spectacular. And that's not right. I become a critic. But when I do complain, when I do become a critic, I need to practice answering my own complaints. For example... Let's say you're out on Kaskaskia Road about 11 o'clock at night, all right? A deer runs out. You hit that puppy, all right? That's a bad day. But at least I had a ride home, you know? My brother came out and picked me up. At least that happened. I didn't have to walk. That's good for nobody, besides maybe my doctor. But you got to look at the good. Now, why should we look at the good in all situations? Why should we give thanks? In all circumstances. Because we don't always see the full picture. That's right, the only thing that we tend to see is the present. We only see the now moment. We can't look at every situation and understand why it's happening. We can only know that God is at work in these situations. And working them out for our good and for His glory. Amen. So where do you start? Where do you start discerning God's will for your life? 
Remember at the beginning I said, it's God's will for all to be saved. First, you have to confess all your sins to God, declare Him Lord of all, and say that the only way that I'm clean is through your strength, your power, and through His wounds. Second, you have to put yourself in a position to hear God. That means spending time with Him more than just on Sunday, Saturday, and Wednesday, but all days of the week. Facebook, yeah, reading scripture. We upload scripture on Facebook every morning at 6 o'clock. Miss Tabitha Hall has been doing that. Thank you. And that's just a great way to stay connected with us, but also read scripture. That could be serving a connect group, serving our pray and go team, or just start by being a better neighbor or a better spouse. Would you bow with me, please? God has called us to do these things. He's asked you to fulfill His perfect will. He doesn't call the equipped, but He calls the available. Are you available for Him to use you? If we go to Him willing, trust me, He will use us. Now I've laid out some powerful possibilities for you to help you discern God's will. It's not easy. It'll cost you. But you see, Jesus is the greatest cause there's ever been. The greatest cause costs the greatest cost, but the reward is far greater than anything we can ever imagine. While all heads remain bowed and eyes remain closed, would you please stand? How will you do God's will today, this week, or this month? Will you read our daily scriptures on Facebook? Join our Pray and Go team, come to a a connect group, or start giving. Father God, I've laid out a map for my people. It's not a hack or your will for dummies, but it's a map and steps to guide us to your will. I pray that as as we do good works, and as we grow strong, as we go deep and give thanks, that you will begin showing your will to us in our lives. I ask this in your Holy Son's name. Amen.